Thank you for joining us for Revive the Drive, a ministry of the Bethany Fellowship of Churches. We live in a world where time is a precious commodity. One of the avenues for reviving our souls is the necessary commute to and from the many places our schedules take us. As the wheels of the car begin to turn, join our panel and set the wheels of your mind in motion as you consider the significance and impact of theology on everyday life. Let's listen in as our pastors talk theology. Well, thank you for listening to Revive the Drive. We're appreciative that you have uh, picked up these recordings, and we pray that they will be a great encouragement to you. I'm here with uh, Pastor Daniel Bennett and Art Georges and uh, myself, Rich Burkle. And today, uh, we're going to be discussing the theme of heaven. Uh, In fact, uh, for this entire session on Revive the Drive, we're going to talk about heaven, and our format's going to be a little different. We're just going to take various questions that uh, we've received about heaven and also uh, that uh, a man by the name of Peter Kreeft uh, has received, and he compiled a list of 35 questions. Uh, We will be adding to those, and we'll be taking some of those from him, uh, because uh, heaven is such an important topic. and uh, we first want to discuss even why heaven is such an important topic. And so, Daniel and Art, as, as we think about why heaven is such an important topic, how would, you, how would you explain to someone why heaven should be an interest to us? Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 is, is talking about why uh, God should be blessed. And uh, he, he uh, then goes into a section uh, thanking God and praying to God for the saints. And he, and he says in verse... 17, he prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. And so for us to understand our inheritance and the fullness of our inheritance that Paul is praying for there, we need to understand heaven. We need to understand uh, what it is we're we're headed toward, and, and what makes heaven great? Is it is it great because there's these streets lined with gold, or, or is there something more that that makes heaven something to to yearn for and, and anticipate? Nart, what would you say about the importance of this subject matter? How, how does it affect us practically? Well, uh, our goal is to set our mind on the things above, not on the things on earth, and so. Uh, we are exhorted through the New Testament scriptures to uh, be heavenly-minded. Sometimes we hear a saying that says that that person's so heavenly-minded that they're of no earthly value, but that cannot be true if they're truly focused on Jesus Christ, who is there, and his glory here on earth. Uh, because when we dwell on heavenly things, scripture says that and the return of Christ, Scripture says that we purify ourselves here and now. Yeah, you think about the name of your church, Living Hope, the church that you yeah. you serve at, and and I've always loved that name, uh, just because of the idea that that hope isn't just this this dead thing that kind of sits on the shelf. Uh, the, the hope that we have as we look toward heaven is is something that that enlivens us now, that affects us now. It's like a person who. Uh, who uh, has an inheritance here on earth that they're going to receive. You, know, you read a will and you find out that you're going to receive a million dollars. Well, that idea that you're about to get a million dollars in the in the near future affects your present. Mm-hmm. It causes you to, to view the bills on your table differently. It causes you to view your child's college uh, funds differently because you know you have this inheritance coming to you. 
Yeah, hope is everything, isn't it, for us, especially when we begin to suffer for Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and suffering is uh, to be the expected um, anticipation of the believer in this world. This world's broken. Uh, this world is full of despair. It's full of disease, uh, both physical disease as well as spiritual disease and societal disease. Um, and if we only look at this world, we, we can get down very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and God is teaching us while we live in a world that's dark and full of death and and um, corruption, yet that's not our eternal lot. Our eternal lot is heaven. We we are living for something greater, and and that keeps us going. I I, I think of uh, the Apostle Paul and Philippians when he says, "For me to live is Christ, and to die it's gain." Mm-hmm. And what a perspective of life, you know, as he was. Uh, being persecuted as he was suffering beatings and imprisonments and all kinds of hardships in this world. Uh, physically, he his body was deteriorating, and yet uh, heaven caused him to have an eagerness for life here. Mm-hmm. So he didn't he didn't lose uh, an energy, a zeal for the life that God gave him. And that kind of goes to what you were saying earlier, Art, about um, the 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 really wrong of the idea that. Uh, to be so heavenly minded means you're no earthly good, but it, it connects us with zeal to this world, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah. And uh, you know, he, he even says, "I'm hard pressed between the two, um, between living on in the flesh or departing and and being with Christ." Um, he says, "Well, to be with Christ is far better, but it's more necessary for you um, that I would remain on." In other words, it's more necessary for people who don't know the gospel, who are being discipled, who are being shepherded. That, that God would have him here. And, and so it gives us a different perspective of life. You think about the trials that we can endure here in this fallen world, and even Christ had heaven as his uh, focus. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12 says that for the joy set before him, he endured, endured. the cross, disregarding or scorning its shame. And uh, so we know that in the hour of his passion— and perhaps even in all of his earthly ministry, it was a focus on the heavenly glories that were ahead of him. So, so that those are some reasons that it's important. But, but how do we know that it's real? How do, how do we know that there is a heaven, and, and how can we can we know anything about it? I mean, you can imagine, you know, or Paul Paul talks about this in, in terms of the resurrection. That if if there is no resurrection, if there is nothing after this life, then we are of most uh, we are we are of all people most to be pitied. You can imagine that the disappointment of, of, of living a life and, and then finding out that, that what you lived for is, is of no uh, true eternal consequence. So how do, we, how do we know anything about the nature of heaven and its existence? Well, it goes back to that old children's song, uh, heaven is real, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I guess that's a, kind of a yeah. paraphrase. Of right. Song. Like a, <laughs> I, was say, I didn't learn that one. <laughs> didn't learn that. But no, I mean, ultimately, whether it's Jesus loves me or whether it's heaven is real, how, how do we know what the about yeah. the things we can't see. That's right. Um, well, it's because God uh, revealed truth to us that was beyond us, um, and He confirmed that truth. Then, so it's it's not merely that uh, it's it's written in a book, although although that in itself would be sufficient. Um, because um, God has testified to us uh, of Himself through prophets and through His Son Jesus, but um, but it's also that He's given confirmation uh, when His Son came from heaven to earth to talk about heaven to us and then to reveal heaven to us. And I think the passage you alluded to, Daniel, uh, references the resurrection of, of Christ as a linchpin for for faith, uh, for belief that 
what God says is true and that his promises are true. Sometimes we get caught up in the concern that those that we share the gospel with and and the glories of heaven with won't believe it. Um, And yet the reality is we wouldn't believe it either uh, had it not been revealed to us through God's Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 Verse 9 states something that we often misuse. It says, Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. We often use that verse, uh, misuse that verse to say, well, heaven's filled with things that we have not even imagined. But the next verse, verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 2 goes on to say, But for to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. And so, we begin to get a glimpse of heavenly realities through the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who has revealed these things to us through the Scriptures. Yeah. And, um, and and so we believe things that we will share with others that they will not always lay hold of because they have not been given the Spirit to understand yeah. those yeah. truths. Yeah. You know, one, one place I think uh, we ought not to look for assurance that there's a heaven is through the experiences of others. Mm. Um, Mm. And and I know it's that's a very popular issue. It is a very popular issue. So and there's some good people I think are evangelical Christians like Don Piper. I read that that book Ninety Minutes in Heaven, and and then Todd Burpo, the little boy uh, that uh, Heaven is for uh, real. Heaven is for real. Um, and and yet what what concerns me there's a couple things that concern me, but one of them is that believers look to those books for confirmation that heaven is real. And they take some confidence that oh heaven must be real because here we have two people who uh, you know had an experience of going to heaven and coming back, and uh, that that is a very unstable basis for us to believe anything uh, because uh, there are many others who have experiences also of going to heaven who are not of the Christian faith. Right. You know, and so so how, how do we know whether who goes to heaven, which is another right. question we need to talk about here. How do we know who goes to heaven and who doesn't? And on the basis of experience, you know, people's people's uh stories, we'd say, well, pretty much everybody who's at least a decent person and uh, uh according to human standards must go to heaven because the stories are are uh Dozens and dozens and dozens that, that have been recorded of people who have no claim to submitting to the lordship of Jesus uh, going there. So we have to be very careful um, about basing our faith upon human experience. Yeah, on the, on the flip side, uh, with the reality of hell, uh, Jesus taught the parable and there was a man suffering in hell and he said, please send someone to warn my brothers, in this case Lazarus in the story, um, to, to warn my brothers of hell so they won't come here. And Jesus said, you know what? If they won't believe Moses, or in other words, if they won't believe the word of God, they won't believe if someone is raised from the dead to come back and warn them of that. And so uh, we need to believe the scriptures over any extra biblical experience that someone might have uh, that tells us of heaven or hell. Right. So we've talked about why is this an important topic and, and how do we know that it's real? And, and now, Rich, you've kind of introduced a third question, and, and that is uh, who who gets yeah. to go there? And, and maybe one, if I, if I could backtrack just for one other thought I had about why heaven's so important. Um, you know, Jesus 
uses heaven also as a motivation for us to live a life that pleases God. In other words, if for this life only we're living, then it makes sense why we would pursue um, material possessions, uh, specific pleasures, that we would build bigger barns, you know, look for a day when we don't have to work and just lay on a beach. Um, heaven gives us a picture of a greater reality that, that we're moving toward, and uh, Jesus teaches us that we are right to lay up treasures for ourselves in that place, that our experience here changes our experience there. And so uh, that is, that's a huge reason why heaven is so important for, for this topic not to just be something that we read about and move from, but really be, to be something that we're conscious of every day. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it gives us hope in every circumstance, and it gives us great motivation. But, but you're right. You know, we the most important question that we could talk about in reference to heaven is uh, is this question of um, how can I know that when I die, I will be invited to spend eternity with God in heaven? Um, I, I think it's a question that the Scripture uh, gives great clarity for. In fact, uh, it's it's one of the main reasons that God gives us uh, his word is so that we can be clear on that question. So as, as you would have a, a person, um, and oftentimes you know, people think about this, unbelievers in particular, when they are diagnosed with a terminal illness, it's unfortunate that would be the only time that unbelievers um, uh, would think about that because the truth is we all have a terminal, terminal illness. You know, it's, it's our physical lives have an expiration date that, that we can't avoid. And whether it's, uh, you know, in 60 years from now or whether it's uh, six hours from now, it, that's where we're all hidden. And so this is one of the most important questions anyone could possibly think about. So how would you guys address uh, that question with a person who's wondering, well, how do I know or how can I, uh, how can I find a way to know that I ha- will spend eternity with God in heaven? There's two aspects that I think are good to focus on as we answer that question, because there's a little bit of a tension, an apparent tension in, in Scripture, and uh, there, there are verses that talk about the, the free gift of heaven, and there's also verses that, that seem to speak of uh, the, the necessity to be a, a one who perseveres in order to obtain the prize of, of heaven. They're, they're a person needs to be an overcomer, according to the book of Revelation. And so uh, you're, you're, we're kind of dealing with... Uh, with also the idea of how do I objectively know that I have received eternal life and will spend forever with God, and uh, how do I how do I feel that truth subjectively sometimes, and how can I be assured that 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 uh, that I that heaven awaits me? And I think your question kind of alludes to to those. And I think it's first of all important to to highlight the the truth that we see in Scripture that that heaven is a free gift. Uh, Ephesians 2.8.9 tells us that it's by grace we've been saved through faith. It's a gift of God, not a result of works that no one can boast. And if if uh, some of us end up in heaven and others of us don't, and those of us in heaven can point to something within ourselves and say, thank goodness I had this and was able to obtain heaven, then, then we can boast for eternity. Right. And in reality, we're going to be uh, glorifying God for eternity, for his, his work in our, our lives right. that allowed us to be saved. And so a person mm-hmm. can receive heaven through faith in Jesus Christ alone based upon his his work on the cross. So so what you're saying too uh is that 
when we are born, we're not given this gift. We're born into this world. We're not given this gift just on the basis of us being born. In fact, none of us have this gift that's when right. we're born in this world, there has to be Ephesians some point. And you're, you're, yeah, you're part, you're part of the world. You're part of the enemy. It, 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 uh, and, the, and the scripture describes us as people as either having this gift or not having this gift. Right. We're not mm-hmm. anywhere sort of halfway in between. I'm, I'm kind of has this gift or kind of right. not. It's either I've been given the gift or I've not been given a gift. Mm-hmm. And so what, what keeps us from having the gift in the first place? What, what is there that keeps us from being able to say, yeah, I think – you know, everyone born, unless you do something really, really bad, and most people would, would consider, you know, like an Adolf Hitler type of person. I can understand how he would not be in heaven. But what keeps the, the average kind of good person, decent person from, from having heaven? Well, it's really an, a matter of faith, right? It's, it's either believing that Jesus Christ has given his life as a substitute for our own death which was required of our because of our sins or not believing that and anytime you even try to add to the perfect and finished work of Jesus Christ you're not trusting in his work alone oftentimes we find uh, those who are doubting uh, the efficiency or efficacy of their faith are wondering if they believe right. And, and I remind them it's not the magnitude of their faith. It is the focus of their faith. Are they believing on Jesus's finished work, work on the cross for, for them, or are they believing in something in them that could secure that? So why would God require that, though? Why wouldn't God just say, yep, I'm giving this gift to everyone, uh, irregardless of whether they believe in my son or not? Well— the, are, are you kind of alluding to the, the reality of sin within our, ourselves I, to begin I, with? I, I think with? so. What's, yeah. what's the problem that keeps us from yeah, heaven sin. to begin with? Sin, yeah. obviously. That, and why does sin keep us from heaven? Well, because of God's perfection. You yeah. know, God, God, is, God is perfect, and he can only be around uh, that which you can't, you know, he can't uh, look upon sin. And so he loves us. We're sinners. There's there's a problem there. There's a t- a t- there's there's a, an inability of us to, to be in God's presence and from God's perspective and our perspective, we can't enjoy him because of our sin, and, and he can't fellowship with us because of that. And I suppose that uh, at the root of every sin is really a distrust or a disbelief in God that he's enough. Yeah. And saving uh, the saving um, interaction is to believe that God's word and God's work is enough to save us and yeah. not our own in yeah. addition. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, we think of heaven— and it's right. I think everyone thinks of heaven is a perfect place because it is, and we're going to spend some time talking about that. Um, it's perfection, um, and it's beauty, and it's wonder. Um, but the thing that makes this life so difficult is sin. So we open up a newspaper, we see murder, we see th- thefts, we see rapes, we see all kinds of things almost every day. The confirmation of what happened back. In Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve chose to rebel, and those effects are evident in every culture, in every place, in all time, and throughout history, um, to, to those who, who observe uh, the, the pain and difficulty of this world. And uh, we recognize that heaven is not a place like that. It's, it's a place that's completely free of, of that mess. And why is it free of that mess? Well, because before anyone gets there, God completely cleans them mm-hmm. of that. And so uh, if God did not uh, require that we have a Savior, Jesus, that 
cleanses us of our sin, then we would be bringing our sin into heaven, mm. and heaven wouldn't be heaven anymore. Right. Um, heaven would be as downtrodden and as difficult and as corrupt as, as this place, this earth is. And so God offers us in Christ this wonderful provision of being free from our sin, its effects and its corruption in our life through Christ today, and that uh, then we are fit for heaven uh, so that in that future day, when as we enter into his presence, we are completely cleansed of, of even sin's presence. And so the, the guilt of our sin is already taken away here in this life. We're condemned no more. The power of sin is we've been liberated. And when we stand before God and see him face to face, we're, we're going to be cleansed completely of, of sin's presence. So we enter into heaven forgiven, freed, and then uh, completely uh, restored, glorified, mm-hmm. so that now there's a society that we'll be in forever and ever with God around the throne that is perfect, a fellowship unbroken because God's holy, he can't, he can't be in the presence of sin, and uh, we have these perfect, wonderful relationships. Um, you know, I, I liked what C.S. Lewis once said about, uh, about how we view people. As Christians, you know, especially other Christians, he says that that uh, imagine that person who irritates you now, and I'm kind of paraphrasing him, but imagine the person who irritates you. And now. you're looking at me as you say this, yes, just exactly. for those who are listening. I'm this. not looking at Art at all. <laughs> I'm looking straight at Daniel, maybe a little over at Kevin over there, who's in the sound booth. <laughs> so that means it is me. Imagine the people who irritate you now. He says, if we if we could see them as they one day will be. When they're in heaven, we would actually be tempted to bow down before them and worship them, you know. And, and mm. we recognize that that's what you know John did for the angels, for instance. Um, that he was tempted to worship because they're in such a state. And so heaven causes us to think even differently about human relationships now, as we know that there is a day when this conflict that's brought by sin will be completely removed. What a wonder that will be! Um, I just want to encourage you as you're listening. Uh, first, to consider the question: Do you know you have a home in heaven? And uh, and if you don't, what what would you what would you encourage a person who's as, as they hear us is thinking, I, I don't know for sure when I die that I will spend eternity with God in heaven. In, in short, what would you encourage them to do? I'd encourage them to to realize that they're sinners, to recognize the provision for their sin that God has provided in the person of Jesus Christ and to place their, their trust in Jesus Christ alone for their salvation. Awesome. Any word to add to that that you encourage that person to if they're sitting here with us, Art? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Pretty simple, isn't it? Straightforward. Just cry out to God for mercy, right? Uh, provided through his son Christ. And and we, we pray, and we, we do pray, that, that God would use this time together uh, with us to to motivate you, encourage you, and to draw you to himself so that even now, wherever you are, with if you're in a drive time to work, that you would simply call out to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I need you. I need your son. I need his, his salvation. I need this free gift. And you know, uh, God hears the prayers of those who humble themselves mm. and call out to him in faith. And just know that uh, heaven indeed can be yours through faith in Christ. Well, it's been a great time, and we look forward to the next few sessions as we talk more about heaven. We trust it will be a great encouragement to you. Um, God bless you.